you've ever um, been a supervisor or a boss or really if you've ever worked anywhere, you've probably heard some uh, pretty interesting excuses from people in the workplace. Here are some real excuses that bosses have heard from employees who, were, who, who missed uh, work or who were late for work. And they tend to fall in some categories, right? I mean, sometimes it's family-related. And not just, um, you know, my kid was sick or I don't feel good. Um, How about things like this? My husband thinks it's funny to hide my car keys before he goes to work. It gets worse. My ex-husband stole my car so I couldn't drive to work. My son locked me in the trunk of my car. Sometimes it's animal-related. My heat was shut off, so I had to stay home to keep my pet snake warm. I don't know how you do a thing like that. but uh, I was attacked by a raccoon and had to stop at the, uh, by the hospital to make sure it wasn't rabid. A groundhog bit my tire and made it flat. But my, this is my favorite creature-related one. I walked into a spider web on the way out the door and couldn't find the spider, so I had to go inside and shower again. Sometimes it's weather-related, and it's not just snow and ice. While rowing across the river to work. Now think about that. While rowing across the river to work, I got lost in the fog. Sometimes there's vehicle problems. My, my left turn signal was out, so I had to make all right turns to get to work. I didn't have money for gas because all of the pawn shops were closed. (laughs) Bless their heart. Sometimes it's just hard to classify. Um, I feel like I'm in everyone's way if I show up on time. Um, Someone stole all my daffodils. There's a reason to miss work if I ever heard it. Um, And I think this is my all-time favorite excuse. I have transient amnesia and did not remember I had a job. (laughs) How handy is that? Well, then one more. Um, I I, I was late for work because I was trying to get my gun back from the police. (laughs) Well, I got some great news. And that is that I believe with all my heart that the next few minutes are going to be life-transforming for some people. I genuinely believe that, that, that there are people here today who are not just going to hear God's Word, but they're going to hear it in such a way and experience it that it begins to change their life. Some of us will mark today as the day that we heard from God, and it, and it allowed us to begin to more fully follow God and what He wants for us, and our lives will never be the same. But there's also some bad news. And the bad news is that there's a lot of people who will find all kinds of excuses why they cannot apply God's Word to their lives. For many of us, it's going to be life-altering and life-changing, but sadly, for a lot of us, we're just going to have excuses why this is not for us. That's our topic today as we open up this series of messages that we're going to call Quitter. And yes, I know how to spell quitter. I just like it better this way. And my prayer today is that together we will all quit making excuses. 
The reality is, if I asked anybody here, just picked anybody out and said, what do you want to see different about your life? What would you like to be different in your life? Every single one of us would have no problem at all coming up with two or three or four things that we would like to be different. You know what? I really want to lose weight. Or I've been working too much. I've been away from my family too much. I need to spend more time with my family. Or I really need to find a place to serve at my church. Or we really need to get our finances in order and get out of debt. Every single one of us, if I ask you, what do you want to be different about your life? We would immediately put our finger on something very specific and say, this is what I would like to be different. But here's the deal. As soon as I decide to be different, Satan gives me excuses to stay the same. As soon as we make a decision, then there's all these reasons why it's not really worth the effort. Jesus told a story that kind of capsulizes this. It's found in Luke 14. We're, we're not going to land there, but you might want to look at this later. Jesus tells a story about a guy who's, who's putting on a big party. He says in verse 16, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. So there's going to be a, a huge party, a lot of food, um, and everybody please come. Jesus goes on, when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began to make excuses. You start reading them, they're kind of funny. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Now, you know I'm not a farm boy, right? I'm a town boy. So this makes no sense to me whatsoever. How do you try out oxen? I don't know. If you know, please enlighten me after the service this morning, okay? I want to know that. And then Jesus goes on. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. <laughs> Guys, we can relate to this one, can't we? You remember the first time you had to roll that one out? It's probably right after you got married. I know that's what it was for me. I hadn't been married very long. One of our friends calls up you know, and says, Hey! We're going over here. We're going to go do this. We're going here tonight. You going to go with us? And we go, I, I now have a wife. So I can't come. Immediately upon the invitation, there's excuse after excuse after excuse. Just like us. Just like us. I, I want this to be different about my life. But you know, I tried that last year. And nothing changed. I tried it the year before that and the year before that. And nothing changed, so why bother? I'd, I'd really like to do this differently, but I'm just not good enough to make it happen. I'm not strong enough. I, I don't know enough. I probably should make some changes, but you know what? I'm not that bad. I'm better than most people, really. So why should I? Excuse. After excuse, after excuse. Which is why, by the end of January, a full 50% of us have completely abandoned our New Year's resolutions. And in fact, research shows that by February the 15th, 85% of us have walked away from our New Year's resolutions. 
this past week, I started back over at the community center, going to the fitness room over there, working out a little bit. You know why I waited till now? Because I was waiting for the New Year's resolution crowd to quit. I mean, you go in the first couple weeks of January, you can't get close to a treadmill. You'll wait for an hour. But you go the first week of February, you got your choice because there's nobody in there. You know how I know that? Because I, I made that New Year's resolution last year and the year before that and the year before that. See, see the thing is, it's not that we don't have good ideas. And, and it's not that, that we don't want to move in the right direction. It's that we rely on our own strength and our own resolve. And our strength and our resolve are always, always limited. We just don't have them in the amounts that we need them to do what we need to do. There's a bigger issue, though. We've got good intentions rather than God intentions. And there's a huge difference. Good intentions center around who? Me, right? This is what I'd like to be different about my life. Good intentions are me-centered. God intentions are God-centered. This is what God wants to be different in my life. And, and instead of trying to work it out by my ability and my strength and my resolve, if I've got a God intention, I'm going to fully rely on God's power to do what God wants me to do. I want us to quit making excuses. And I think the pathway to that is a couple of questions that can make a dramatic impact on our life. Here's the first one. Because instead of asking, what do I want to be different about my life? What if we ask it this way? What does God want to be different about my life? What does God, the creator of the universe, who loves us, who has a great plan for us, who has purpose for us, what does God want to be different about our life? Think about that for a moment. You know, what God wants may be the very same thing that we want. But when we attribute the idea to God rather than ourselves, it changes the way we approach it. It changes everything about the way we go about it. So what does God want to be different about our lives? Maybe for some of us, God wants us to start a ministry. You know, it's been on our heart for a long time. Or maybe God is, is trying to move some of us to, to greater generosity, to be more generous in some way. Others of us, maybe God wants us to get involved in children's ministry or student ministry. These things have been on our heart and we know it's what God wants and yet we still haven't done it. What do you believe God wants to be different about your life? And I'm going to tell you what, most of us know already. Most of us already know uh, why don't you go ahead and write it down? You've got sermon notes page? Write it down, okay? And if it's private, just write private on it so you know, your nosy neighbor next to you can't look over and go, oh, man, that's weird. You're nasty, you know? <laughs> well, what if I don't think there's anything that God wants to be different in my life? Well, then just don't write anything down. And if you're sitting next to somebody with nothing written down, you can just look over and say, wow. I'm sitting next to Jesus. You're perfect. I, you don't need to change anything. I did not know I was sitting next to the perfect Son of God in church this morning. Take some time to think about it, and let's, let's hear the word this morning in light of what God wants to be different in our life. 
And the second question, and here's where the power comes in, okay? Here's where the, here's where the power comes from. The second question is this, why does God want this part of my life to be different? Why? Why does God want this part of my life to be different? Because I'm telling you, when we connect the spiritual why with the what, that's where the power and the motivation to accomplish it comes from. Let me give you a personal example. When I ask, what does God want to be different about my life? I immediately know what I would say. All right? I, I, you know, I really believe that God wants me to get in better shape and to, to eat right and to keep losing weight and to exercise regularly. But why? Well, obviously, because I want to look good. Right? I, I want to be uh, slim and I want to, uh, to be able to wear my skinny jeans. And I want people to say, ooh, pastor, you look good. I don't, know. I don't know who I'm trying to kid. I just want to be able to bend over and tie my shoes without having to take a nap afterwards. <laughs> but guess what? That's not good enough. That's not a good enough why. See, the question is not, why do I want to get in better shape? The question is, why does God want me to get in better shape? And the answer is, because He created my body. Because it's part of His creation. It's part of His masterwork. It's His temple. And I want to honor Him by honoring and taking good care of what He created. So that I can live a, 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 a long, full, effective life on this earth for my wife and my kids and as pastor of this church. Glorifying God, not just with my words or with my heart, but with my body as well. That's the why behind the what. And when I connect the spiritual why with the what, the spiritual why is what motivates me to accomplish it. Somebody else might say, well, I believe God wants me to read through the Bible this year. Or uh, I really believe God wants me to pray with my family, with my wife or my husband, my kids. Or I really believe God wants me involved in a life group. Okay, why? Why does God want that? Well, because that's what good Christians do. No! That's not good enough. We've got to make the, the spiritual connection, the answer to the why, to pray with our family, to read God's Word, to, to, to be in a life group, is so that we can grow to become more like Jesus so that our lives bring glory and honor to Him. When we connect the spiritual why with the what, our motivation increases to do that which God is calling us to do. What's God calling you to do? Well, I think God's calling me to, to get out of debt, get my spending under control. Okay, why? Well, because debt is bad and, and I want a boat. <laughs> well, yeah, debt is bad and there's nothing wrong with having a boat. In fact, if you get a boat, I want to be your friend. But the spiritual why to the what is that we, uh, we get out of debt, we get our finances under control so that we can honor God with the stewardship of the resources that He's given us. So that we can leverage what we have to help the kingdom. All for God's glory.
when we connect the why, the spiritual why to the what, all of a sudden, our excuses just start to fade away. They start to disappear. When we know what God wants for us, when we can understand that the God of the universe wants this to be different about my life, and when we agree with God that that's what ought to happen, there is no excuse on earth that can keep it from happening. Does that make sense? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is the author of the change, and we have every power available to us through Him, then there's no excuse that can keep me from the perfect will of God in my life. Because it's not a me-centered good intention. It's a God-centered God intention. This is what He wants. It's, 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 it's what He wants to be different. And there is no force on earth that can stop His will. I want to quit making excuses. There's a great example in the Bible of man's excuses and God's resources. It's found in the Old Testament book of Exodus. If you want to turn over there, it's the second book in your Bible. If you don't have your Bible with you, put the verses up on the screen as we go along. God's people are, at the, at the opening of the book of Exodus, they're, they're still in bondage. They're slaves in Egypt. And they're crying out for rescue, crying out for deliverance. And, and God reaches out in, in Exodus chapter 3, and He puts His finger on Moses. And he says, you're it. You're the one to lead this deliverance. Now keep in mind, Moses is 80 years old. And for the last 40 years, he's, he's worked for another man. He's worked for his father-in-law, tending his livestock out in the middle of nowhere. God is asking Moses, he's about to ask Moses to do something that's way outside his comfort zone, way outside what he's familiar with. And that's one of the things I love about God. Is typically when God asks us to do something, no matter what it is, when God asks us to do something, we never go, oh yeah, this is easy, I got this, no sweat. Right? Because we know, don't we? We know that when we start drilling down on what does God want to be different, that He's going to ask us to do something that we think is impossible. Can I tell you that that's even more evidence that it's God? I mean, if it was easy to accomplish, we wouldn't need Him, would we? If it was easy to do, when God asks of us that which we cannot do, it's so that He can get the glory for what is done. Because it's not me. It's Him. So God says to Moses, you're my guy. And Moses says, absolutely, Lord. Let's partner in this thing together. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to take off. Just tell me where to be, what to do. <laughs> no, that's not how it happens. God says, Moses, you're my guy. And Moses says, no, I'm not your guy. And he, he has these excuses. And it, it gets kind of comical. Moses says, who am I to do this? In other words, I'm nobody. I'm not good enough. He, Moses says, uh, what if they ask me your name, God? What do I tell them? In other words, I don't know enough. I haven't studied enough. Moses says, what if they don't listen? 
What if they don't believe me? You know, I'm not very good with words. I, I get tongue-tied. My, my words get tangled. Lord, I'm, I'm terrified of speaking in, in front of people. I'll just wet, wet my pants if I have to do that. I, I really don't want to do it. I'm not good enough. And we give Moses a hard time. But the reality is, he's doing exactly what you and I do. He's doing the same thing that we do. But in response to God calling him to do something, he just starts running through his laundry list of reasons why he can't. His mistake is our mistake. He's looking at his inability instead of God's ability. He's looking at his very small, very limited power and resources instead of looking at God's unlimited power, limitless resources. And by the time we get to Exodus chapter 4, verse 11, God's had enough. He says, look at Exodus 4, 11. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? There's a series here now of rhetorical questions that can only have one answer, right? So God he asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? And what's the only answer to that question? God. Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? God. And, and just in case you haven't been paying attention, Moses, is it not I, the Lord? In other words, God says, if I am asking you to do something, don't you think that since I am on your side, I am for you, I'm going to help you get it done. If we believe the Lord wants something to be different in our lives, then don't we think that the God of the universe is going to help us? I love what God asked the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 32, verse 27. He says, I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? Some of us know that God wants something to be different. And we've got all these reasons why we can't, and we won't, and it'll never. And I believe with all my heart, God is asking us, is anything too hard for me? I know all that. Is anything too hard for me? But pastor, you, you don't understand. I, I know God wants me to be patient with my kids, but, but they just, hang on a second. Do you really think that God, who gives the spiritual fruit of patience, cannot help you be more patient with your family? God, I know that you want us to have a godly marriage, but she's just, or he always, hang on. Do we really think God, who created the world in six days, can't put your marriage back together? Well, I know, God, I ought to be honoring you with my time and my resources, but I've got all this stuff. Hang on. Do we really think that the Lord God will ask us to do something in His Word, confirm it in our spirit, and then not give us the ability to do it? God basically says to Moses, quit your whining. Just, just stop. Look at verse 12. Now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. 
Now go. Down home we said that like this. Get! And I'll tell you what to say. I'll go with you. I'll be with you. Two very practical thoughts from this text. First of all, I believe God is saying to, to you and to me and to Moses, do what you can do. Do what you can do. I've told you what to do. Now go. No excuses. Quit thinking about it. Quit talking about it. Do it. Some of us know what God wants us to do. We just need to do it. I don't, I don't even remember where I first heard it. But a long time ago, I heard somebody say something that really stuck with me. They said, delayed obedience is disobedience. If God has shown us what He wants us to do, what He wants to be different, don't delay. Go and do the next thing that you can do. We spiritualize everything. Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Waiting for what? He's told you what to do. Go do it. Well, I, and this, this one just kills me. People say, well, I just, I'm just waiting for a word from the Lord. Here are thousands of them. Pick a couple. It really is that simple. The Lord wants something to be different. We do what we can do. I will do what I can do. Everybody say that. I will do what I can do. Say it again. I will do what I can do. Now say this. I will trust God to do what I cannot do. You say it? I will trust God to do what I cannot do. I will do what I can do, but I'm going to have to trust God to do what I cannot do. I'm going to have to, to trust Him. God said to Moses, go, you go. Do what I told you to do. Do what you know to do. Do what my word to you says do. And guess what? When you go, I will help you. I will teach you. That's how it works. It's almost like God saying, you know what? I'm not going to help you and I'm not going to teach you. Until you go, until you take that step of faith out there and do what you can do, there are just some things for, for you that I'm not going to do for you until you do that. When you do, I will help you and I will teach you. You do what I told you to do and I'll do what you're not capable of doing. It's kind of like riding a bicycle, kind of like teaching a kid to ride a bicycle. I've got some small experience with that. Only help six boys learn to ride a bicycle. But what's the goal? The goal is our kid riding a bicycle on their own, right? No training wheels. We don't have to help them. That's the goal. That's what we want. That's what the kid wants. So how does that happen? Let me tell you how it does not happen. It doesn't happen if we get on the seat and we get the handlebars and we work the pedals. That's not how it works. If we do that, that kid's never going to learn to ride a bicycle. Isn't that true? You know what's going to have to happen? They got to get on the bike. They got to get the handlebars. They got to. They got to pedal. So what do we do? We go alongside them, don't we? We help keep them upright. 
We keep them stable. We keep them moving forward. We go with them. We go alongside them to keep them upright until they can do it on their own. I met a fellow this week at the community center. Um, You know, being bold, stepping out there, speaking to people I do not know. Never saw this guy before. Uh, Got to talking to him one day out there and found out that he works in West Lafayette and he lives in Converse. He drives an hour and 15 minutes from Converse to West Lafayette five days a week. And here's what he said. He said, I drove past this place for four years, five days a week for four years. And he said, I got heavier and heavier and more out of shape and more out of shape. And I had every excuse. When do I have time to work out? I, you know, I have to drive an hour and 15 minutes to work. It takes me longer than that to get home. I don't have time to go to a gym. And then he said one, one day, he said, I'm driving through Florida. It just dawns on me. I drive right by one every morning on my way to work. So now he brings his clothes. He stops and he works out. And I don't know, he works out maybe 30 minutes, maybe a little bit more. He's usually already started when I get there and he's done before I'm finished. But he, and then he takes a shower and he goes to work. What did he do? He did what he could do. He found a way to do it. He, he, there, here's where I'm going with this, folks. Let's go and do what God is calling us to do. In a way, this is a continuation of what we talked about last week. And, and being bold and going boldly. But we, there's one thing that is guaranteed not to happen. One thing that guarantees we will not be bold. And we don't do anything. We just stay where we, where we are and don't take a step forward. Don't take a move forward. I promise you nothing will happen. And I promise you something else. Nothing will be different. And I promise you that next February, if you're still around here, you will be in the same condition. Nothing will be different. Let's go and do what God is calling us to do. Let's go. And He says, I will help you. I will teach you. I will lead you. I will guide you. Folks, in the face of that, there are no excuses. If God wants it for us, and we want it for us, then there's no excuse, there's no power, there's no weapon that will stop us from accomplishing what God wants us to do. If you get anything out of this today, Here's what I want us to walk away saying and thinking. I have faith to do what God is calling me to do. I believe if He's showing me something to do, if He's calling me to do it, then He's going to empower me. He's going to guide me. He's going to direct me. If He directs it, He will protect it. I have faith in Him to accomplish what He wants to do. Think about what could be different in our lives and in the lives of people we know if we would stop making excuses. If we would stop taking our good ideas to God and we would go to God to get a God idea. Centered around Him. Something that can only be done in His power. Something that is always done for His glory. We do what we can do and trust God to do what we can't do And He will get all the glory.
when we partner with him to do what he wants to do. Be a quitter. Quit making excuses. Bow your heads, please. Close your eyes.